everybody. This is Keith Rainwater with the Designated Drummer Podcast, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, I have a very special guest with me today. He is, his name is John Spittle. How's it going, John? Good, man. Ben, good to have you here. Um, he is the drummer with Trace Atkins. He was the drummer with Trace Atkins and is the drummer with Trace Atkins, and we'll talk a little bit about like before and now and all that kind of stuff. But um, you, uh, what I think is cool is that you're one of the uh, many of musicians that started out in California mm-hmm. and then somehow made their way to Nashville. Sure. And, and I want to learn about sort of why that is and what, what was so appealing about Nashville from LA. I know the LA scene was kind of grueling there for a while and mm-hmm. everybody trying to do that, but a lot of musicians here in Nashville came from California. Yeah. Like our producer, Dan Huff, he was from California. Yeah. Paul Lyme kind of did the same thing. Sure. A lot of people did. Well, the yeah. attraction to me was just a better place to raise my family. Yeah. yeah, now I think a lot of people, you know, Robbie, our bass player, mm-hmm. he was from California. He did the same thing. He was out in L.A. doing the whole metal scene right. and just, you know, got tired of that whole all the traffic and just yeah. it wasn't a good place to raise a kid. Right. So yeah. In. My brother actually moved here a year before me and uh, he's a bass player. Yeah. And uh, he kept calling me saying, you got to move out here, man. You got to move out here. And I'm like, I don't want to go to Nashville. Nah. But my wife, my ex-wife kept telling me, um, we should go out there. It's a better place to raise family, all that, which all I agreed with all that because California was starting to, you know, crime and some of the stuff was getting bad. Schools right. weren't as good. Yeah. So, um, and what year would that have been that you, that would have been around 95, six, so, 95 or six. Um, so we had little kids in diapers. They were both in diapers and, uh, I, I'm an old car guy. I love uh-huh. old classic cars. Okay. So I had this old classic car and I was kind of just being, smart ass and i said told my wife my ex-wife i said i'll tell you what i'll put this price on that car if it sells we'll go really you and weren't expecting it to sell probably right two days later this old man walks around the car and he looks at it, he goes oh it sure is pretty i say yeah but it's a hot rod you may not like it so i started it and it made all this racket you know rah, rah, rah. and uh, he goes Take me to the bank. I'll get you your cash. Really? You just were completely yeah. floored. That- so when we were done, I handed her the cash, cash <laughs> and said, guess we're going to Nashville. Wow. So we started preparing to come out. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. What part of uh, Cal- uh, L.A.? Ventura. Ventura. Ventura, oh. right on the beach. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just about <laughs> about 45 minutes north of L.A. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a great Ventura story for you. I'll, I'll keep it short now. Okay. Uh, we... Back in like when no news was out in '95, uh-huh. about the time you, about the time you, I guess right. moved to Nashville, we uh, pull. We had a couple of days off before the ACM awards or whatever, and we decided to pull into Ventura, uh, Venice Beach. Isn't Venice Beach in Ventura? No, Is that, that right? That's uh, down towards Malibu. Oh, okay. I can, I keep. I guess I get mixed up with Venice yeah, Beach. And, yeah, but and, I, I go and, down there all and the Ventura. time. Ventura. Yeah. But uh, we pull in there, and a guy. As soon as we pull in with our bus, there's a guy walking out with his guitar and he turns right around and walks back in as he sees the bus oh. and he, he was just pestering us the whole time about hey i wrote a song and uh you know you want to hear it and anyway oh, well. that's my funny Venice story but you said ventura right yeah which is not the same thing but not the same thing yeah same same thing i mean it's very close yeah if you close your eyes in one spot open them in another you'd get lost you know that's a surf kind a of a surf community surf isn't it yeah like, did you surf i did when i was younger really yeah. Uh, yeah. so cool did all that and um, so, yeah, so we moved to Nashville, and then I was with that band, The Brave, and I, I put in my notice with them. And now, The, the Brave, um, I wanted to talk about that uh, style-wise. What were they, what was that band like? They're, uh, 
the big hair rock band, 80s stuff. 80s and that was right around when the, that style was going out and the grunge was coming in. Early, late 80s, early 90s. Right, kind of you thing. know, you, you, so we had changed our style a little more grunge. But, um, you know, it was just, it, it was a Christian rock band. I and and it just, you know, the guitar player owned his own music store. There was all these different things, and I wanted to do more, you know. I wanted to move on and do more, and they, they were a little more rooted at the time. So they didn't want to travel? and No, they, uh, they, were they had of, been burdened by the industry a uh, little bit, yeah. and I came in a little later in the yeah. band. And um, so I put in my notice with them, and we I was driving home from my last gig with them, and uh, and my suburban with my drums, and rolled it, fell asleep at the wheel, oh my God. and rolled it three times, drums flying out, empty car seat. I was by myself. Oh my gosh! And uh, I walked away from it, but uh, the guy that came up behind me was like, saw the car seat laying there and saw stuff. He couldn't make out what it was because it was like at two in the morning. Oh my gosh! And he saw, he thought maybe a kid flew out the window, yeah. and I assured him that wasn't it but anyway yeah that was crazy so we ended up moving to nashville anyway and uh you know condensed down and moved. now when you decided to move to nashville did you already have uh, some things lined up or did, did you not. just you're just going to move and wait and see what happens so i had audition? sold that car yeah we had sold a bunch of stuff got rid of our home and i just kind of took it on kind of on faith kind of yeah. blindly that man something's going to happen you know you always think it's easier when you're young and right you yeah. know surely i'll get a gig i'm a yeah. good drummer you know yeah uh, something will happen so when i first came to town i knew i had to have a uh, a, a job at least because mm -hmm. my wife my ex-wife stayed home with the kids because they were little yeah. and the cost of daycare would have been crazy so she stayed home and uh, i took a job at a place called ncs you remember ncs yeah yeah ncs so uh, i used to nashville do cartage and sound, sound. Right. yeah we used so, to rehearse there, I think. Did yeah. they have rehearsal rooms? They did. They had rehearsal rooms and it was cartage. I remember that place. Yeah. So I, I took a, a job there for about six months until I got a gig. That's you cool, know? man. And I had to just, just doing cartage and just doing yeah. cartage and helping out in the rehearsal rooms and whatever. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Michael, myself, and John Rich, when he was in the band, we mm -hmm. rented out a place over there. Okay. In the 97, 90, uh -huh. yeah, 97. That was about that time, probably, yeah. yeah. We probably saw you there. Yeah, we, probably we so. were just We put this little band together, a side project, um, and that project, I believe, was called Highway, yeah, Highway Jones. We had a little, mm -hmm. we, re we rented a rehearsal room over there at NCS. Right. And uh, we would just, um, and I think the deal was Michael had gotten this big Marshall amp that he could not use out on the road. It was too big mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's too loud. So right. he wanted to jam with it. So he said, let's get together and over at NCS and just rent a room and we'll just jam. I want to crank this thing up and see what it sounds like. So John and myself and Michael went over there and started jamming. And that ended up being sort of writing some rock songs that John and Michael had kind of had some ideas on. And so we made a whole album. Oh, that's of, great. Called Highway Jones. And it was pretty fun. That's great. But yeah, we might have even seen you over there, not known. I'm sure, we have. And here yeah. we are later, you know. Yeah. Years and years later. I definitely known about you long before you knew about me. Oh, so. did you really? Okay. <laughs> well, that's cool. That's a that's a good thing, I guess. Right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. So um, you were in California, and mm -hmm. the it was called the what was the name of the band again? The Brave. The Brave. Mm -hmm. And uh, how would you do, you said it was like hair metal kind of thing? Yeah, it's got a little more edge. It's not yeah. like it's not like Motley Crue, like party metal. 
Yeah, right. But it'd be more like if you mixed Mr. Big with some winger. Oh, I see. Yeah, that kind of stuff. You did know. you enjoy? Was that was that a? Did you were you involved in the writing of that stuff yeah. too? And mm-hmm. so you've got your you yeah. penned some songs and co-wrote some things. It was fun. Yeah. Did you great. enjoy that writing process as a I drummer? enjoyed it with those guys. Now the the Stacy, the guitar player, singer. Now he's a writing fool, man. Really? Anymore, it's just like, hey, I got this new song. But the good thing about it is he gives it to you, and then you just do. It's a blank canvas yeah, okay, you just yeah. do whatever you want to that's it. cool so yeah. yeah so that's your your part of it is just like your mm-hmm. what you would play on that you just hear it in your head and exactly yeah I, I don't think once he's ever said hey can you try this or try that it's just right. is it's what just it your is. carte blanche you just do what right. you want yeah now i want to go back to when you were young your father was a drummer right is yeah, that my right dad's drummer yeah wow. so there was always drums in the house and always. He, did he teach did he want you to be a drummer or did he say oh yeah 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 no he tried and i was always too bashful to play around him so when he'd leave during the day i'd sneak in there and start trying to play and my i guess my mom told him hey pretend like you leave and come back and you'll hear him <laughs> okay. wanting to play yeah. you know because he won't play unless you're gone right <laughs> but then eventually he he started teaching me to play and and i grew up with my dad being a drummer bands doing all that and uh you're a Texas guy. Yeah, right. So it might be a little before your time, because we're about the same age, but it's yeah. more my dad's time. There was a band called JoJo Gun. JoJo Gun. That came out of Texas. Is that right? And uh, What year would this have been, like the 60s? Oh, this would have been the 70s. 70s, okay. And uh, mid-70s, probably. Yeah. And uh, they used to, my dad had a little home studio, and they used to practice in there, come in there, do all their pre-production stuff. So I got to sit down with a drummer named Cur- Curly Smith yeah. and watch him play. And, wow. and he went on to Boston years later, playing Boston, the band Boston. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. After yeah. Sib left or whatever? Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I was a big Boston fan when I was growing up. That Me was the too. only band I followed and, like, was a fan of, like a true fan. Like, I got posters and I bought all their albums mm-hmm. and, and read all every bit of news i could yeah. get my hands on i was fascinated with the whole tom Scholes and oh who could home be? studio thing yeah yeah and the way their sound was you know this was at a time when i was about 13 when boston came out in 76 mm-hmm. and i remember being in band i played trumpet actually you know before mm-hmm. drums and we were starting to learn instruments and the difference between separate instruments and how you could hear because it seems like before that, it was just, everything was just like a song was just like the lyrics, and maybe you could hear a little guitar or something. It all sounded like one thing. Right. And then as we got to be in band and started playing different parts, we started hearing different parts in the music. In Boston, it just come out, and you could really hear all the different parts in Boston. Yeah, was, their, their recording was for the day was real clean and crisp. Right. You know, yeah, it was and like, I remember hearing— The drum sounds were great. Were awesome, yeah. The toms. And Tom, tom Schultz would go in and track all that stuff, and it sounded—I don't want to say terrible, but it sounded— pretty mashed together and then it was it was the fact that they could take those tracks and take them into an actual mixing studio and actually get a good mix on that stuff right. and that's when things started really mm-hmm. popping for them and anyway yeah. enough about boston <laughs> um so you started playing um your dad was very encouraging to you mm-hmm. you know once very you started so still is good, to this day yeah. getting in bands and he was yeah, full yeah. of good advice and stuff like yeah. that. yeah and then that's when awesome. then when i got to be about hmm, i'm gonna say in my early teens he stopped playing drums too mu- so much, and him and a buddy started building speaker cabinets and stuff. And oh. the next thing I know, he started doing concert sound. So he opened his own company doing concert sound. Well, that's cool. And he actually opened a drum shop. 
wow. So I worked there when I was in high school. Now, when you, when you say drum shop, you mean like they sold drums? Or drum store, like on? a Forks. Yeah. You okay, know, small, a lot smaller than Forks. But I mean, yeah, just a drum shop. shop. Yeah. That's all it was. In the back of a, a music store at the time called Hex Music. And uh, he bought the drum department off the store owner. Oh, that's interesting. And he just had the drum department. That is so cool. Boy, yeah. to grow up with a dad who owns a drum store, I mean. Yeah, it was like, awesome. That would have been, because when I was a kid, I, when I'd see anything drums, my eyes would get this big. You know? Sure. It was just like, uh, it was magic to me. Anytime I saw right. real drums, like anything real like that, I would, yeah. would just go crazy. Yeah. And I knew I had a passion for that, you know, and I knew I could play. Mm-hmm. And it was just a matter of, and my father was not as, like yours, wasn't as encouraging. I don't think my dad saw the drums as a as a career path for me <laughs> right he, he knew i played trumpet and he kind of thought that was cool and everything but he just thought the drums were kind of a passing fancy and then i would kind of give, give them up after a while but right. he didn't know that there was this passion to to play like we yeah. have you know so uh when you were growing up you were in high school and you played in some bands and things when was that moment when did you always know you were going to be a professional drummer or I was always, there a moment that I, I could tell you the pinpoint the exact day. I can't tell you what year it was, but I was probably, if I had to guess, maybe 11, 12 years old. And my band, my dad used to be in this band called Fast Freight. And they played this big event. And um, I remember sitting right up front and watching them play. And there was two bands, just the warm-up band and then my dad's band. And when they played... It just kind of came. I just went. That's what I want to do. That's yeah, what was I want that to epiphany, do. That moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just like this is just so cool. I don't know what it was. It just hit me at that point. I thought it was cool before that. Yeah. But that's when I knew this. That's what I want to do. Was it from a different perspective that you you hadn't been out in front before, or it was just this big show? It was kind of a bigger. It was just this big cool show. I was kind of proud of my dad up there. That whole thing. It just kind of hit me, and it was like. It, it, this is what I watching the people react and the yeah. whole thing. And I just thought, man, this is this is what I want to do. And you were at the age to where you could kind of start thinking about, like, mm-hmm. what am I going to do for a job? Like, right, a exactly. Living. Yeah. And then high school turned into, hey, the chicks think it's cool, you know. But, <laughs> the but chicks I, like the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but uh, that that's when it really hit me was about that time. I always thought it was cool. But like every kid, I want to be a fireman. I want to be this. I want to be that. And then yeah. that's when it hit me. Yeah. Did you did you change anything in the way you practiced, played, uh, thought about the drums, like no. collecting drum equipment? Any, did it change anything for you? No, because at that time I was still playing my dad's drums oh, and yeah. that whole kind of thing because he's always had drums in the house. And then that changed the gear and equipment and stuff probably when I got about 16, 17 years old. Right, and you had your own money kind I of thing. I had my own money. I worked okay. at the drum store after school every day, so I'd oh. save and— and uh, and I was doing gigs because my dad, since he was stepping back, would hire me out, and I go play these club gigs. Yeah, I wasn't old enough to be in the club, so I had to spend breaks outside. Oh, okay. and usually like the bass player would come pick me up, throw my drums <laughs> in his van, take wow. off. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, and my high school band teacher was a B three R and B kind of guy. And he hired me to play for his. So band in high too. school, did you play percussion or the kit or? I, I played a snare drum and snare. and I, um, I played the kit and jazz band, and I played um, the quads and marching band. Yeah, yeah. Were you That's where I learned to, how to read. Yeah. Do what now? That's where I learned how to read. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know. Oh God. 
my reading career has been like nothing. I mean, I didn't know anything about charts or especially the Nashville number system, mm-hmm. anything like that. All I knew was some, like, some trumpet music. I did take some lessons and learned a little bit of drum yeah. music, but it has yeah. not been my strong point. Only time I use it anymore is to notate a, a numbers chart, uh, yeah, like a certain I'd pattern or put something. Put in some little thing, little yeah, figure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. With the pencil, they give you the pencil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's always been the hardest thing for me in sessions is changes on the fly. Yeah. That's always been okay, let's double that chorus and uh, lose the bridge for now. And we'll, you know, oh, God, I can't remember all that. <laughs> and yeah. these session guys, just as if it was nothing. So they've been playing it that way all their life. It's a different breed. Yeah. <laughs> totally, yeah. Yeah. I think there's levels of thinking. And when you're a drummer, tell me if you don't agree, mm-hmm. in the studio, there's really three main things going on in your brain. One is you got to know where, what you're, where you are in the song. You know, mm-hmm. you got to look at the chart and say, we're here, we're, it's a chorus or whatever. The second thing is you got to play precise. Sure. Right. You got to be, you know, it's got to be tight, mm-hmm. you know. And the third thing is you have to be creative, right? You can't right. just play like a, like <laughs> right. just a kick. And, I mean, well, that sometimes that is the best thing, the kick and snares, the meat and potatoes, but you have to put stuff in there that's sure. cool, you know. Right. Yeah. And those three things existing at the same time in your brain, going around in circles. I mean, is that right. the same for you? It is. It is. Yeah. And, you know, when I first came to town, it was like I'd go do a session and someone would say, oh, Eddie Bears does this kind of thing, or Paul Lyme does this, or Greg Morrow does this. And in my head, I just kept thinking, well, why didn't they hire those guys? Yeah, right. You know, because they're, they're all different from each other. Yeah. But, you know, so for me... I got some good advice from from Paul Lyme, actually. Yeah, right. And uh, he told me, he said, just go in there and be yourself. Right, absolutely. You know, they're either going to like it or they're not. Yeah. Hey, if you keep trying to be somebody else, you're never going to be yourself. So yeah. I did that, and it paid off. That's, That's when great. Yeah. the gigs started coming and some of the things just started happening. That was a, almost a turning point for you when mm-hmm. you started just doing yeah. you, you know? just do me. Just you do know, you. You got to learn signature licks. You got to learn all that stuff, but just yeah. play it the way you play. Now, it. when I listen to you playing with Trace, that that band is. I was so impressed with the first five minutes of you guys got out there. I haven't heard Trace in years, mm-hmm. um, but it's tight, man. You guys yeah. are very disciplined. I can just discipline and tight, and the kind of music you're doing, Trace's music, the way it's arranged and all that, it's very very complicated yeah. arrangements to me. It, it is. Like. He, he fortunately he gives us a little free reign to yeah. do our thing, you know, yeah. within within reason. You know? My favorite was when you guys were at Soundcheck doing this complicated, some of these complicated with no vocal, oh, yeah. and hearing the music doing all these stops and starts and <laughs> fill, and then uh, it's just so crazy yeah. sounding. Yeah. But then when you put the vocal in there, it kind of all makes sense. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is good. And um, yeah, I'm fortunate enough to all the guys in there are great players great guys yeah so i've been very fortunate very serious musicians on stage i've never seen such discipline on stage before mm-hmm. in a country band than you guys yeah you and know, that's kind of is that trace he just kind of demands that or yeah he wants it to sound good yeah. and he wants he wants it to be interesting you know yeah. and and we're more of a rock band than a country band you know and um I mean, there's a few songs he'll do. He'll pull out every once in a while that's authentic country that we got to yeah. sound like a country band. Right. But for the most part, I mean, he's 6'6". Six, six, yeah. You don't want to mess with 50, 60 pounds. <laughs> he comes out. It better be in your face when he walks out with his chest puffed out. And yeah. here I am. 
like yeah it yeah. better be rocking that know. was man i was impressed watching you guys i'm like i'm watching you guys on stage thinking like these are a bunch of badasses right here oh, that's man. exactly what it is and and you know of course it's trace atkins why would trace sure. atkins not have that you know right yeah just a bunch of complete pros you know yeah. veterans and he's you know been great mean? he's he's been a great employer he's a great guy yeah i've known trace since uh he was in bayou the band called bayou oh, in yeah. Dallas. yeah we all played in the same clubs and things so the other night when he was on stage saying you know hey you know it was great seeing lone star we played back in the same honky tonks back in texas and i know exactly what he's talking about all yeah. the same bars that we would play and, yeah. And, yeah and i would go out and watch his band called bayou yeah, didn't uh, the Eddie something play drums with them? Yeah, Eddie, the Cajun uh, guy. A Cajun guy. Eddie, yeah. uh, his last I name escapes his name me. Like, it sounds Cajun. Bowden. Bowden. Yeah, that's it. it yeah. Bowden, something and, like that. You know, he taught me, if the one thing that I've stayed with me my entire career is the side stick. I heard him play side stick one time. Where, yeah, that's For those that don't know, that's when instead of hitting the stick in the middle of the snare, you put the stick down and you click the rim uh -huh. of the snare. It kind of goes... Right. Sound. Yeah, I was watching you side stage. I noticed you release your hand yes, off of it. Yes, he taught me that. Really? Eddie, that, that drummer. Because I was watching Trace play with his band Bayou. This was back in like the late 80s or something, mm -hmm. 88, right. 89. Uh, and maybe even been before that. But anyway, I was watching them play and at some little place in, in Texas, you know, in, in Fort Worth. And I saw, I heard him play that side stick. And I just thought, man, that's that sounds... I wish I could get mine to sound like that. It sounded like bright and loud and popping. And uh, I went in during a break and asked him, I said, how do you get your that stick sound? Like, And he's, oh, man, I'll show you. So he showed me how he finds a sweet spot, and he lays it down in there and holds it, and it makes the whole snare kind of ring. And it just gives it a real good, nice you know, right. sound. And I that has stayed with me till the, from that day on. It was like I got hmm. calluses on my <laughs> hand now from that, you know, and right. it's been that's my thing yeah but yeah oh god I used to love going out and listening to trace and uh and then to hear that he had moved to nashville and yeah the story i heard was that he uh did a little show someone he was playing around or something trying to get a record doing some writing and uh i think scott scott uh from you know his old producer scott scott Hendricks. scott Hendricks uh -huh. had said well let me hear you play and he invited him out and heard one song I don't know if it's true or not heard like one Trace do like one song and said okay I, I'll, I got a deal for you I'll offer you a deal right now like that's all you wow. needed to hear wow. with Trace that's all you need to hear is yeah. one song yeah I like, mean okay, his voice yep, is good. his voice yeah <laughs> that voice yeah he yeah. instantly knew that Trace mm -hmm. would be you know would make a difference and yeah would be a hit yeah definitely and, uh, the rest is history yeah yeah I think Eddie now lives in uh, East Tennessee is that right yeah that's what I hear so, yeah, I got to try and find world. him, man. I, Small world. Thank him for my yeah. great side stick uh, <laughs> paradigm that he's introduced me to. Yeah, but um, so the okay, so you came to Nashville, and you had also played when you first came here. You played with Sarah Evans and Aaron Tippin and yeah. stuff like that. When I first came here, I mentioned I, I played with, I worked at NCS, right? And then right out of that, I did a couple small little gigs, Van Trailer gigs with some guys. But then I did a, a guy named Matt King. I don't know if you remember, I remember him. him. Yeah. So I played with him for about a year and a half. And then he lost his record deal and, you know, the typical Nashville uh, you know, yeah. thing. And uh, But I played with him. And then uh, right after that, I got a gig with a guy named Neil Cody, okay. which was more of a rock guy. 
And then out of that, from those members came Paul Brandt. That's a huge Canadian artist, right, but yeah. he used we, to have a, a couple of hits here. Uh, I do, and my heart yeah. has a history, and some of those songs. So I played with him for a few years, and had the Sarah Evans gig at the same time. Oh, I see. So I kind of bounced back and forth because Paul really only toured in the winter time. Sarah toured you. in the summertime. I see. And it was towards the beginning, right? Um, with Sarah, with um, oh, what's the name? Uh, it's got the cool drum intro. What's the name of that song? Oh, Born uh, to Fly. Born to Fly. I love that drum intro. I do thing. too. Yeah, that's Matt Chamberlain. He did yeah. a great job. But uh, um, you got to play that. Yeah, I got <laughs> to play that. So I did that for a while. And uh, now, did you do it just like the record, or did you kind of do your own little samba thing? Your I did it little... as close as I could get it. You know, and yeah. uh, she was a little more play it like the record. Yeah, right. You know, and that kind of thing. So I played with her for a while, and then after I left her, um, I went. To, I played with uh, Aaron Tippin for a little while, and Aaron Tippin was great, great guy, nice guy, super guy, yeah, super guy. Um, playing with him for a while, and then I remember walking off stage with Aaron Tippin. Well, let me back up. I did a short stint. With Chris Cagle. Okay, right. Um, filling in for their drummer for about six months. Um, I filled in and uh, did that for a while. And then, then I played with uh, Aaron Tippin. And then I remember walking off stage, and the road manager that used to road manage Paul Brandt was managing Trace. And he gave me a call and said, Hey, would you be interested in this gig? And I was like, yeah, but hasn't he been through like a bunch of drummers lately? You know, I think I think he'd been through like seven or eight drummers in in a year or two's time. Yeah. This is all just hearsay that I heard at the time, yeah. you know. And he goes, "Yeah, but I wouldn't recommend you if I didn't think you could do it." So, right. Okay. So anyway, I hooked up with them. I so was, it, it was more of a call. More it was less of like. Hey, he needs another drummer, and more of like, hey, he needs a guy that that is good, like a guy that's gonna stay her. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna yeah, because a couple the drummers hole. they had before, I guess, just really didn't work out. Yeah, you know, and at the time, um, there was a different band leader. It was a different band, other yeah. than it was. It was a totally different band than it is now. Yeah. Um, at that time, and. Um, so yeah, I came in. I remember my fr the first show was the downtown hoedown, and Trace had never heard me play, and in Detroit, and oh, we've done that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the that high Detroit. concrete stage, right, yeah, it's got that. That bowl is a crazy thing. crowd, man. Yeah, I remember we were going to go sign autographs or something there in our merch, and they were like, "Are you sure you want to do that?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were like warning us not to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's that crazy. So I remember walking off stage after the show, and I pretty much had my head buried in charts and, you know, all that stuff. There wasn't much rehearsal, if any. Really? And um, so I did that, and we walked off stage, and we were waiting for the encore coming back on. And I guess Trace looked at Steve, the road manager, and said, hey, where'd you find this boy? He goes, oh, I got my ways. So he went off, did the, did, did the encore, came back off, and uh, I remember Trace telling me the next day at the next show, as long as I got a career, you got a gig. 
Is that right? Yeah. You, you have know. that much belief in you and that Yeah, thing. and well, you know, it's Nashville, right. so you, you yeah. kind of wonder, oh, is this really true? Well, I, I was there, that t- I was feel, there 10 years. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. What What do you think you did in your mind? What did you th- What do you think that you did that, that, that he liked so much? Yeah, was it I keeping it simple, or was it like you just fit? It Was it a, just a good fit? I don't know. I don't know, you know, but I, I know that, you know, you've heard me play. I play yeah. – play aggressive i don't right. i don't you know i play with authority you have power you have power, power and all that stuff and, you know i've got enough chops to to make you know someone inexperienced to think i'm good but <laughs> but you know but you don't use them all the time i don't, don't play. i don't and uh you know but it's it's all about the groove for me i always yeah. got that drilled into my head from my dad right. you know it's all about the groove so as long as you make it feel good and make it sound good. Yeah. Your drums sound good, and everything feels good. That's all that matters. You got a good pocket. Oh, thank and you. And that is huge in yeah. thank you. this industry, especially in the country. Right. I mean, it is in all genres of music, I think, but especially right. in country because it's you have to serve the song, and it has yeah. to. It's a feel-good music, and mm-hmm. if it doesn't feel good, yeah, then it's you know where rock and roll you can kind of be edgy and kind of make them feel squirm in their seat a little bit but country's got to feel good yeah you got to have that space between the kick and snare and that groove yeah. man you know that's yeah. that's what i've always that's what i've always focused on and that came from when i was a kid uh, i was about 17 my little rock band nobody rock band at the time played down at the troubadour and man we did this show and i was in my studying dave weckel neil pert and all those yeah, guys right, face okay. right and we got done with the show. I thought I killed it. I thought it was just killing. And I walked up to my dad. Hey, Dad, what'd you think? What? How'd it sound? He goes, Well, I know the truth. I said, Yeah. He goes, You you just played on top of everybody. You nothing breathed. It didn't groove. He yeah. goes, Man, I, I suggest you go home and put a kick snare hat down and learn how to groove again. <laughs> it deflated me, man. Wow. But he was right. That's what you needed, right? He was yeah. right. Yeah. You know, so wouldn't have done you any good if he would have just said, "Oh, dude, you were yeah, great." Yeah, no, no. It's he's wonderful. my he's my biggest fan and my worst critic. Right. So he'll tell me when it's killer and he'll tell me when it's bad. You know. Yeah. So, so I did. I actually took that advice, went home and started. You know, he goes, "Look, at if the girls aren't shaking their butts, and the guys' necks aren't grooving like rubbernecking, yeah. right? You ain't doing your job." And I don't care what kind of music it is. Yeah. That, oh, man. It's got to feel good to the whole band. It's yeah, It's got to have that magic, you know. Yeah, he goes, the drummer's not going to get you hired. You can stop trying to impress drummers. Right. You know, That's a good Im- point. Impress, yeah. impress the bass player. Yeah. Impress the guitar player. Right. Impress the singer. That's who you want to impress. Yeah. I learned a long time ago that the band, they just want to know where that groove is. Yeah. They want to feel it in their gut, you know. Yeah. They don't want to have to, like, where is it? You know, is, is it here? Is it... They right. want it. They don't want to have any ambiguity of it at all. They just want to know right where it is, and they just fall into place. That's it. They don't want to have to think about. Their Maybe that's parts. what Trace liked about you so much. Because, Maybe so. Yeah. You know, Maybe he so. Thought, well, this band has never sounded better than it has tonight. So you're the guy. <laughs> sure, sure. And we had at that time a bass player that came in, Greg Baker, that that is now Trace's manager. Okay. But um, he uh. He came in at the same time. He actually had maybe two shows ahead of me. So we kind of just locked in. And I loved playing with him. I was with him that whole 10 years, you yeah. know. 
uh, that we were there. Now he's moved, he moved to road manager and now manager, but, um, yeah, so that helped too, being able to lock in with somebody that, you know, the difference. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. You get a guy that really locks in and makes your job easier and vice versa. And it's, it's not anything you can really put a finger on, right? Uh -uh. It's kind of like just a feel. It's like, it, it either feels good or it just feels awkward. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right, like when I heard you guys, I could tell your bass player, Robbie, is that Yeah, name? Robbie. Yeah. He just kind of laid it right, right in there, in that man, pocket. right in the yeah. sweet spot, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. I learned something that, that really helps a lot uh, for those of you who are learning or whatever, is that to, to find that pocket, you almost have to concentrate on the kick drum being like right on the beat and the snare being just a tad behind. Exactly. Would you agree? Exactly. And that exactly. way... Because when that bass guitar and that bass drum hit at the same time on the downbeat, oh, that's yeah. that's like that's like the concrete. Yeah. That's the foundation. And then right. the snare can kind of lay back a little bit. It should and not feel rushed. You yeah. Kind of that's when that, that creates that from. space between that kick and snare. Right. All the guys like Greg Morrow, Picaro, Joe yeah, Picaro, right. all those guys. That's what made them make all their money. You know, is that they right. naturally just had that. Feel. Yeah, and I don't mean like lay back like oh, like Paul Lime calls it a wet fish. Oh yeah, like, no. sometimes they would call for that, you know, like on a yeah. bell or something like putting that snare like way back in the pocket. But I mean, just like I mean a tiny bit behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not like a uh, Nigel from Melton John. Some right. of those old songs, man. That snare. Oh man, he go grab a burger and come back yeah, before that snare. He's hits. in a different time zone, <laughs> but you, it's it worked, right? You know, yeah, it you was great. Yeah, those were terrible songs or anything. You know, it's just, that was just what he did you know yeah exactly. like uh like uh charlie watts you know uh-huh he, he just like not the flashiest he's not neil Peart, but he's charlie watts and yeah. that's just that's it you know he gave this he helped contribute to that sound that the stones right. had. Yeah. yeah and the yep. band must have liked it they kept him around for a while yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah exactly. but, uh, so i wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh country music and where it uh-huh. used to be and where yeah. how you feel about it now i have my own opinions about okay. the country genre as it is now and what it used to be like you know right and um how do you what's your opinion on some of the new stuff that's coming out well i grew up like i said my dad being a drummer and he did a lot of country gigs too so all the old merle haggard and some oh, of the yeah. old stuff you know i grew up with that but then as the newer country came out um i liked it you yeah, know? but the country now, I don't know, man. I I like guys like Chris Stapleton and stuff, yeah. but some of it, the some of the bro country, I don't know. But like musically, I like it. So it's 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 kind of torn. So yeah. like some of the music stuff as a drummer, it's kind of cool to pl- hear that yeah. stuff. But it's not country, right? Yeah, you know, it's not country. It's 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 just hip hop. It seems to me like there's a formula there of this drum beat that I want to say they kind of took it from like Led Zeppelin. It's like, um, 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 and that seems to be kind of like, well, everybody likes that beat. So let's just make all our songs. Let's write a country song around it. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, And throw a bunch of loops and tracks. Loops. That's what I'm going to say. I don't even think they're even real drums, really. But nowadays, real drums, that's kind of an ambiguous Mm -hmm. term. They are real drums sampled and then played through a machine. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I am a little mixed about it because I I know music has to evolve. I mean, rock music evolved. It had to evolve from Chuck Berry to the Beatles to the you know to what yeah. it is now. But personally, I don't know if I 100% yeah. care for it. You know, Some I've always I learned stuff. from Paul Lyme. He said that 
to be a good session drummer, you have to serve the song. Yeah. And then now you cut to what's going on today. Are they really serving the song, or are they just like, or is it like know. I don't care about the drums? That's just the, the vocal, you right? Know, a story and yeah. And that's another subject too: is the mixes. Sometimes the mix, the vocals so far out front, and the yeah. music so far in the back. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I stopped listening to a lot of country. Right around, I, I look at it like I could compare it. Remember when I said the '80s era, good rock, yeah, right. rock music, and then it will turn to grunge right, kind of thing. Yeah. Now the new stuff isn't grunge, but it's it's kind of lost its flavor. Yeah, I, you I got gotcha, you. Yeah. Everybody sounds the same. Yeah. Like well, like when you, back when you guys had all, all your hits, and there was you guys, and there was uh, Little Texas, and there was all these bands. Man, it was a melody. The, the words you could tell who they the were singing, by and you could tell that that's little texas first, that's lone star that's yeah you know but you can't tell that anymore i, I hate to say it but i can't tell yeah. luke cones from luke bryan sometimes i feel exactly the same the only person that i can really nowadays kind of tell that's relatively new is zach brown yeah like when i hear zach uh-huh. brown that's a singer he's a songwriter singer right. he's an they entertainer he a has sound. a sound mm-hmm. to me yeah the rest is and if you hear the his drummer He's mm-hmm. playing like real drums, and he's playing like yeah. cool stuff. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. He's like, a great and drummer. It's grooves. It's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. But the rest of this, this kind of bro country stuff, it's the same to me. This is my opinion. It's the same uh-huh. kind of lyrics. Yeah. You know, Daisy Dukes and Gravel Road and Pickup Truck and Tailgate yeah. and all this exactly. stuff. Exactly. Uh, it, it seems like they're just changing the words around to satisfy, almost like pandering to the audience. Wouldn't you say? It's almost like dumbing it down. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pandering to the audience. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we know they like these words, so let's just right. re, you know, homogenize them or right, something. Right, exactly. And, and I'm sorry if people think I'm down on country right now, and I, I don't mean to sound like that. I, I love my industry, and I love my genre and everything, right. but I just wish that it would get back to kind of the way it was. I sound like an old man. Yeah, back in my day. <laughs> but I, I miss the days where you could listen to a song on the radio or whatever, and right. you could hear a new song and go, oh, hey, that's Charlie Daniels. I can yeah. tell that's Charlie Daniels. Yeah. Or Reba McIntyre. That's, that's Reba McIntyre. Exactly. Nowadays, yeah. I couldn't tell. Like you said, I couldn't tell. I have a hard time from. telling the difference between them, you know. And my wife can, but only because she's already heard the song five times and knows who it is. She knows the name of the but, song and the lyrics. Right, but I, I, don't, I don't really listen to it that much yeah. anymore. Some of the storylines are pretty good and some of uh-huh. the sadder stuff you know some of yeah. the country of the i right. hate to say crying in your beer but some of the i lost the girl kind of thing mm-hmm. that that has a story to it i kind of like that or it's right. talking about kids or something like that but most yeah. of them the party thing the bro country that's all it is yeah. it's, it's kind of like like the motley crew of country music yeah you know right. as far as just like it's all about the party and yeah which right. is i mean that's fun live when you're out there and you're get yeah. everybody participating and doing the stuff but really the substance of the song is not yeah. much which is what country music's known for yeah you know yeah you call it crying the beer song but they had a lot of songs that had substance yeah before and doesn't it's hard that's far <laughs> there's a horn section yeah there's our horns we're here at the band cave and uh <laughs> there's a train track that goes right by the band cave here it is not the best place in there it's not like recording studio quality that this is where we rehearse and this is where we have our bus and this is where i do my podcast a lot of times so it you works get the horn section in with the well wait for the horn section to go by yeah <laughs> what is that a minor it's like tuned to some kind of minor note or something i wish they'd make uh, trains more friendly the horn 
like a major, like more, you know, a, a, a happy, I mean? a happier happy sounding horn, you know. Yeah. I guess they don't want you to be happy. They want you to get out of the way. But yeah. um, so what's what's up for you guys? Are you guys having a busy summer and you're going to continue on yeah. through the fall? Yeah, we are. We're continuing. We're pretty slamming this summer. Everybody trying to make up from COVID. Right. Exactly. And, and reschedule dates. And then Trace has been acting. I know. So, yeah. How does he work so, up through all so that? So he's had to reschedule stuff for filming. So between COVID and that. Yeah. Our summer was pretty slammed. Well, with Trace, what takes precedence? Is it the acting or the or the gigs, or do you just try to balance both? You know, I think he's trying to balance both now. Yeah. It, it, um, I can't speak for the guy, but if I had to guess, he would probably hope that the acting kind of yeah. takes off, and he could still tour, but just in smaller. I mean, he's been doing it forever, you know, yeah. so right. he probably would would like to slow down a little bit, but... Does he? Do, do, I mean, you talk to him. Does he enjoy the acting? Is that like? Oh, does yeah, he do it because he, he enjoys it, or is it just like an opportunity that came that his manager had and he's just doing it? I think it's both. I think early on it was an opportunity that arose, and I think it was more as it came on. I think he enjoyed it more. He enjoys the process of yeah, making so a character he's got, and exactly. Yeah. So he's got the new TV show on Fox coming out with uh, called Monarch. Right. Okay. And that's, that's what's on your big truck, right? The big yeah. The that's big what's billboard. on the side with Susan Sarandon and. Yeah. All that, so uh, I guess it's about a country royalty family, and he plays the the dad, the the big Mac daddy, you know. Yeah. And then Susan Sarandon's his wife, and oh, I don't know. I, I don't know much about it. You gonna get to be in it, any? No, I don't get to be in it at I all. I mean, it's about the music. So I know you would you, think you so, think but they get all the cameo in there playing drums. They get all the Hollywood or Atlanta or wherever they're filming in Atlanta, so they get all the the pretty boys the and pretty whatever. boys. Well, you're a pretty boy. You can do uh, it. You know? <laughs> I'm an old pretty boy, but uh, but they uh, so if if that takes off, you know, he'll do that. He'll be filming again next year, so we'll probably only do stuff in the summer and fall. Mm-hmm. And not so much in the beginning of the year or the end of the year, so we're pretty busy up until December. Yeah. So. What What do you do on your off time? Um, man, hobbies I, or anything like that? Huh? Any hobbies or anything like that? I got a Harley. Love riding my Harley. There you um, go. A lot of honeydews. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> got a lot of honeydews, and all that. And so, since my kids are all grown now, I, yeah, you know, honeydews, and um, I'd like to tinker on old cars. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I, I do. One thing that I forgot to mention earlier is that you were talking about how uh, you were playing with Trace for a long time, and then yes. all of a sudden you got custody of your kids, mm-hmm. and you had to quit yes. for a while. What yeah. was that like? What was that whole story? Well, when when I was with Trace, about 10 years into being with Trace, I went through a pretty ugly divorce. And, um, you know, and my uh, when we first got divorced, it was just split the custody Right. You know, I got them when I was home and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, it just kind of took a turn for the worse. And uh, I ended up having to go to court and ask for custody of my kids. Right. And, and they awarded it to me. So when that happened, at first, I had a bunch of, like, my kids' parents. At that time, they were, like, 15 and 16. Yeah. And then a bunch of their um, friends' parents would say, hey, we'll help you out. You know, Bobby, my son, could come stay with us, and Corey could go stay with her friend, and they were really good. But after a little while, I thought, that's no way for my kids to live. Right. You know, it's not a way for them to be. So I I decided to leave and 
take care of my kids. What did you do work-wise for, um, for so that time? So what happened was I left, and I actually moved back to California because I had at the time I had no friends or no family in California to help. It was just me. So my parents were living out there. My brother at the time moved back. And um, so I moved out there for the support. Yeah. So I moved them out there. I moved out there, and I got remarried. And for a living, uh, like I said, I tinker on old cars and stuff. Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine from out there um, said, you need to start a hot rod shop building custom cars. I said, man, he goes, all the guys around here know you do that. So I did, and I did that for several years wow. until we decided to come back to Nashville. Right. And then I closed down the shop. We ended up moving back to so, Nashville. Drums and cars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. So. That's not like I'd make a good TV show, like a good reality show, Drums and Cars. <laughs> uh, bring you know, it on. <laughs> guy goes out on the road, plays drums, and when he's not on the road, he works on cool cars and stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's your yeah. life. That's cool. Yeah. Do you still do it? Do you still work on cars? And I do. That kind of thing? I do. From time to time, motorcycles and all that. So, yeah. That is way cool. Yeah. Did you... um Bring one of your cool cars here? I did not. Oh. I brought my old worn-out Chevy I thought I was going to get to go on a cool ride or something. Done. <laughs> I, I almost brought the Harley. Oh, really? But That's I thought cool. by the time I get here, my ears will be shot, you oh, know, right, from yeah. all the wind. That's true. So, well, yeah. man, thank you so much for spending your time here talking yeah, to man. me and telling yeah. me your whole story. Yeah. It's fascinating, you know, how it's gone from one thing to another to L.A. to here and all yeah. that. Yeah. And back and then back here again. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And, yeah. uh you're just going to continue to play with Trace until you can't do it anymore? I'll do it until he decides he doesn't want me to anymore right. or until he decides to quit. Well, he said as long as he has a career, you have a job, right? That's so. what he said the first time. We'll <laughs> see if it hangs out around this time. <laughs> was he super glad to get you back when, when you got yeah, back I in? Yeah, I think again? it was a good fit, yeah. you know. It was a good fit. I'm yeah. sure he was sad to see you go the first time around, you know. He was, and when I did leave, he told me, hey, man, that's what man does. you got to take care of that. That's so, good, yeah. So he, he knew it wasn't because – I didn't like the gig or yeah, something like that. Right. Yeah, That's cool. He's a good dude, man. I he really is. like Trace. Yeah, and been I, very good to me over the years. Hopefully we have some more shows coming up together. Yeah, you know? that'd be great. Hopefully. Yeah. We go hang out, hang yeah. out at catering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll teach you how to ride my one wheel. There you go. Yeah. That could be dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, maybe I'll get you to hot rod that out. There you go. Yeah. Well, cool. It looks like you already did. I did a little bit, Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much again, yeah, and thank uh, you. we'll see you out on the road, and you this has been Keith Rainwater and John Spittle yep. with Designated Drummer, and we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.